So welcome everyone to another episode of She's in Tech. My name is Susan Ma and I'll be your host for today. And I'm very happy to introduce Hiroko Nishimura. So just to do some brief introductions, I'm Susan Ma. I'm currently a community engineer at Stackblitz and you can find me on Twitter at Suki Supremo. And then Hiroko, if you don't mind giving us a little introduction in your Twitter handle. Yeah, hi guys. Um, thanks for having me on. My name is Hiroko Nishimura and my Twitter handle is my full name. And I'm a technical writer and technical instructor and also an AWS community hero. We are so excited to have you here, Hiroko. I think out of the different guests that we've had, you have a lot of various technical role experience. So some of the topics that we'll be talking about will go into a lot of different facets. So I'm really excited to talk about those with you today. Our sponsor today is This.Labs, a best-in-class consultancy specializing in staff augmentation, architecture support, and leadership, and training for startup and enterprise organizations. Find out more at this.labs.com or send us an email at hi at this.co. But just for our listeners here, if you don't mind giving us a brief introduction of just sort of what you're up to now, maybe a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So I'm one of those people that when they say, what are you doing? I never have a really good answer because I'm always doing five different things. And it probably has nothing to do with what I was doing a few months ago. <laughs> but by uh, education, I went to college to get a couple degrees in special education. So I'm a special education teacher. And once I left college, I was like, oh, maybe this isn't what I want to do. So I left my little town in Maryland and moved to New York City with a suitcase and my favorite pillow, which yeah. I finally got rid of this year. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyways, uh, so I came up to New York City, spent half a year looking for a job. Um, everyone had told me that New York is where you go to find jobs. But apparently New York is not where you go to find jobs when you have absolutely no experience in working and have a master's degree in special education, but don't want to be a special education teacher. So I actually fell into tech kind of by accident. I had gotten to the point where it's been half a year since I moved to New York. I was doing babysitting. I was tutoring, whatever to pay the bills. And my sublet was going to expire. And so I said, okay, either I find a job within the next couple of weeks, or I'm going to go back to where I grew up and try to find a job there. And so I started applying to recruitment agencies, which I didn't realize existed until that point. Mm -hmm. I was just cold sending out applications. I think I sent out 400 applications. Oh. I heard back from like one or two mm -hmm. and obviously didn't get the job. So I was like, oh, wait, these recruitment agencies, they do all this work for me for free. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I applied to be a recruiter at a random recruitment agency. And they called me in and they're like, oh, we actually just filled that recruiter job. Aww. But we see that you speak English and you speak Japanese. Mm -hmm. And we're looking for an IT help desk engineer for one of our clients, if you'd be interested. Hmm. And working in tech was never anything I'd expected to do I was I mean I was expecting to be a special ed teacher but they, I was like wait what I what <laughs> <laughs> and at that point I didn't even know what a domain was I had absolutely no experience in troubleshooting except you know if a printer jams you pull the paper out <laughs> kind of thing so I was really I was kind of caught off guard that something like this would be offered and they were also th saying that 
they can teach IT skills if I'm willing to learn, but language skills they can't teach. And the client wants a bilingual IT help desk engineer. So if I'm willing to learn, then they're willing to teach me. And I had absolutely no idea how that was going to go because I had never, as I said, expected this to happen. So I was like, you know what, I might as well give it a try. And if it didn't work out, at least I'm not going to wander for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. if I had a career in tech. And so that was officially seven years ago. I just got that Facebook memories. (laughs) So seven years ago, I made that weird little decision that completely (laughs) changed my life. And that was $14 an hour. You know, it's below minimum wage now, but they taught me, I guess, or I taught myself Googling is my best friend. Mm -hmm. And after 10 months working there as a help desk engineer doing kind of everything on tier one, I switched to a um, MSP, the company that manages IT, like outsourced IT for small companies to do more the proactive maintenance of IT infrastructure. And then after a year there, I moved on to a startup and I was there for two and a half years. And two years ago, yeah, two years ago on my 30th birthday, I decided I'm going to quit. And I've been freelancing since then. Wow. That's a lot of change in a short period of time. Yeah. So I was only working, like really working in corporate for like five and a half years, maybe. Wow. Do Um, you feel like now that you're freelance, I imagine there's a lot of flexibility in different ways. So do you feel like this is sort of the best fit for what you're looking for in your professional growth? Or do you feel like at some point... Um, you may go back to working for a specific company or just not freelancing as much anymore. So I think it'll be really hard to get me to come back to the corporate world. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest reasons why I decided to become a freelance technical writer and technical Mm -hmm. instructor is, well, first of all, when you're looking to find a career or a job, no one really tells you about the non-corporates jobs that are available Mm. and the different kind of earning money and different ways of working that's available. That's not the eight to five, five days a week model. So mine was a little different because I was going to be a teacher, but it's still kind of similar concept of you're going to work. Even a teacher is kind of like, oh, wait, you get summer break off. You know, I (laughs) that was that was one of the biggest shocks when I left college was that I was like, I am never going to have a summer vacation. Like, what the (laughs) heck? <laughs> it's, it, it was like mind blowing to me that I am never going to have a summer vacation again. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to have that kind of big chunk of time that you're not working again. Mm-hmm. And so I never expected myself to, unless I'm going to become a homemaker or mm-hmm. be a stay at home mother, stay at home wife, something like that. Mm-hmm. I never expected that there's like a different way of working. Mm-hmm. But so when I was 22, I had brain surgery. And that's kind of like really makes you reevaluate your life and how you live. Mm -hmm. And back then, that kind of gave me this thought that time is not infinite. A lot of people say things like, oh, I'm just going to work for the rest of my life. There's no retirement for me. I can't afford it. Ha ha ha. Which you say is ha ha ha. But that's like, given that you have the privilege of working until you die. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us don't have that. And when I turned 27, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. And 
once I started losing a lot of mobility and I was always in pain and it was getting really difficult for me to work full time, I realized I can't take for granted that I can just work until I die Mm -hmm. and that I'll be able to be fully employed for the rest of my life. And so I was like, oh, crap, I need to figure out a way where I can make an income. I'm financially stable without needing to commute to the office five days a week, working a 40-hour day plus one-hour commute each way. And I think it was really great that I realized this in my 20s instead of maybe in my 50s or my 60s. But at the same time, since most people around me were not living in a different way or working Mm -hmm. in like a different way, it was kind of, I had no idea where to even start looking. Wow. And that, wow. yeah, it's, it's people are like, oh, no, to be a functional real adult, you need a full time job with benefits. <laughs> That's the only way to be a real adult. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, but getting really sick over and over again has mm-hmm. allowed me to kind of be like, well, maybe I don't have to subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest perks of being a technical instructor is that I get royalty payments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to work for as long as these content is up and being consumed by mm-hmm. students and people. If I don't want to work or if I can't work because I'm sick or something's going on, mm-hmm. I still get that same income uh-huh. uh, month to month. So this year, I actually said I'm not going to work for 2021. And then I signed a book contract. So then that didn't really work out very well. <laughs> but... <laughs> But unless you're the Obamas, mm-hmm. publishing a book does not make you very much money. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely not an Obama. So <laughs> you're basically working for free until it comes out. And you might get a little wow. bit of a royalty advance. But then even then, you're not really expecting to make like a lot of money off it. It's more the accomplishment. At least mm-hmm. that's how I'm perceiving it. Mm-hmm. So to have the freedom to put a lot of time into writing a book... It's an introductory AWS book, but to put a lot of time into writing a book means that I I need another source of income, Mm -hmm. which my passive income through the technical courses are providing. Mm -hmm. And it really helps to have that kind of security because otherwise I can't contemplate doing stuff that's not going to pay for a year, you know? (laughs) So yeah, it just sounds like kind of like a Ponzi scheme or something or a scam. <laughs> so I don't really talk about how I make money mm-hmm. because I think it's really hard for us to understand or wrap our minds around the fact that, you know, I get a paycheck and I get paid more right now sitting here talking to you than mm-hmm. I did working full time in New York City as a sysadmin. Mm-hmm. So wow. that's it's, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that because I <laughs> You dived into a lot of assumptions that people make and you're breaking those with your own experience. And especially being a special education teacher by training, it's really cool that you got into tech, but you're still teaching just in a Mm -hmm. different way. And, you know, you had mentioned, especially for freelancers or people who are just transitioning careers or just having trouble finding jobs, like financial stability and security is so important. And I think Mm -hmm. it can be a tricky subject to people sometimes, but, you know, you had mentioned that with, with the way that you're sustaining yourself and now, you know, with this book contract, I mean, it sounds like it's a really great mix of being able to make the accomplishments that you've always wanted to do, but have some flexibility on how you're doing it. And I'm curious if you feel as if 
if this is sort of tech related, like how do you think tech has changed your life in that way? Do you think it's provided you different flexibility versus if you were to become, I guess, quote unquote, a more traditional teacher? Because I imagine, I mean, just reflecting back on what you just said, I feel like I can't imagine you not being in tech. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I mean? so um, it's really interesting how it kind of worked out that way. And, you know, as a teacher, especially, I feel like there's so much empathy that you share in the work that you do. And I think that's an important part of any job, of course, but specifically in tech, where there's a lot of either developers or engineers who are very focused on sort of the logic and the logistical stuff, but may have trouble understanding how to communicate with your team or how to onboard people. So I love that in your role, especially as a technical writer, is that you try to make information more accessible to people. And I wonder if a lot of that has to do with maybe just who you are as a person, but also your background in being a teacher uh, in conjunction with all the, the life changes that you've had and all the obstacles. And I love this very confident attitude that you have where you're like, <laughs> this is my life. I only get one of it and I'm going to do what I can to make the best out of it. And clearly it has paid off in everything that you're doing now. So it's just so cool to hear that and kind of going into diving sort of into a separate topic, but with transitioning a career like you did, um, you had used a term before called a professional beginner. Mm -hmm. And so I'm um, um, if you can kind of dive into that a little bit about what that means to you. And just because I, I feel like there's a lot of people who listen who are, who could really connect with that, you know, whether it's people who are transitioning careers into tech or just trying to figure things out. Like, can you talk about your own process and what it took to succeed to be sort of a professional beginner? Yes. Yeah, so I think a lot of us, especially those of us who career changed into tech mm -hmm. and or woman, minority, you know, in my in case, in my case, I'm like a triple whammy in this tech world, disabled, female, minority. Mm. And so I've had a lot of like, negative experiences based on all of that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, because of the way that I came in to tech with zero background, mm -hmm. and coupled with my background in special ed, plus the fact that when I was recovering from my brain surgery, my brain surgery caused pretty extensive brain injury, which meant that I had to kind of relearn a lot of things and also learn how to learn. Mm -hmm. I was still in college, but I wasn't even able to watch like a 30 second YouTube video because my attention span was so short oh. and my short term memory was completely shot. My, my attention span, memory, you know, the ability to do anything you need to do as a student and a teacher was pretty much shot. So utilizing my skills, I learned to become a special ed teacher to help kids go through going through these kinds of situations. I was able to kind of create methodologies or ways for me to be able to succeed or actually at least do work and graduate college. And the stuff that I was always doing in my job mm -hmm. kind of directly translated into becoming a technical writer and a technical instructor, even though I had absolutely no idea these jobs even existed until I became one. Mm -hmm. So I was always writing meticulous documentation for everything because if I didn't, I knew I will not remember the next time I need to do it. So I always needed to write documentation in a way that I, as someone who doesn't have a technical background, can understand it. Mm -hmm. which meant that 
as a help desk engineer, that's a really helpful skill to have because Mm -hmm. you're explaining everything to people who don't inherently have the technical backgrounds that Mm -hmm. your IT colleagues do. And so one of the things that a lot of people said to me, a lot of my coworkers who I was helping said to me was like, oh yeah, I really always appreciate it when you pick up the phone because you can explain things to me in ways that I can understand and what the problem is. And then you also tell me kind of what I can do to prevent this from happening next time. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if they can prevent themselves from that happening again, that's one less ticket for me to deal with. So, (laughs) Oh my gosh, uh, how do we clone you? I feel like every company (laughs) needs you. It it behooves you to like make yourself unnecessary, right? I mean, it Mm -hmm. doesn't, but it does in a way. And so I spent a lot of years, I mean, I say a lot of years, I was only working for five and a half years, but I spent a lot of years kind of trying to become the stereotypical engineer or the tech dude Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, all these parts of myself, like, oh, my background in teaching or my experiences growing up as an immigrant, minority, woman, all these things are unnecessary. I'm going to be the tech bro. Mm and I tried to become the sysadmin and I was like completely not fulfilled and it was really not fun trying to always feel like you have to be someone else that you're not. Mm-hmm. But that kind of culminated me into becoming a technical writer without realizing I'm a technical writer. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the f- transition that I was making from technical writer to, oh no, no, sorry. The transition I was making, I wasn't even intending on making a transition into freelance. I thought I'm going to be the tech bro for the rest of my life. (laughs) But I needed to pass us AWS certification exam, the cloud practitioner exam, because Mm -hmm. I had told my manager I would. And when I say I'm going to do something, I have to do it. So, but then it was two weeks until the certification exam. And I had absolutely no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I was watching all these videos and reading blogs and all Mm -hmm. these things that said they're explaining it to like your five. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, clearly I'm not even a five-year-old because (laughs) I have absolutely no idea what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And I thought back, you know, what, how do I learn best? And especially with my background in teaching, I learned Mm -hmm. best by explaining things in my own words. Mm -hmm. So I created awsnewbies.com as a study blog for the uh, AWS Cloud Practitioner Exam. And there I explain things in ways that I can understand, which Mm -hmm. means it resonated with a lot of other people who are also trying to take the Cloud Practitioner Exam Mm -hmm. because um, it took me a couple of years to figure out why AWS Newbies was so suddenly popular even though I did no marketing like Mm -hmm. I I I just uploaded a blog and that was it but after a couple months it was getting 10,000 hits a month from Google from people googling the same things I was googling Mm -hmm. and I realized it's because I was very cognizant of the fact that I needed to understand Mm -hmm. and when I write for me it means it's for someone without hardcore technical background Mm -hmm. and cloud practitioner exam was the first exam that was catered or it was meant for people who aren't necessarily in it Mm -hmm. it's for account executives it's for sales executives it's for people who do graphic designing you know anyone whose company touches cloud computing or aws and Mm -hmm. needs to learn what it is they can talk about it Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily it 
engineers. And all the content that was created initially were, they just kind of regurgitated what they had for like the solutions architect associate exams and stuff. And just took out the content that's relevant to the cloud practitioner exam without, I think, realizing that component that the audience space is completely different from the rest of the certification exams, Mm -hmm. which I think is why introduction to AWS for non-engineers, the courses that I created with LinkedIn Learning and Mm -hmm. AWS Newbies really helped a lot of people. Is because I'm a professional. I'm I'm a professional beginner. I say that, but I'm a beginner. I was a beginner. I had no idea what's going on. So then I'm explaining to other people who are also going through what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. And this was like a really long way to say that I consider myself a professional beginner Mm -hmm. because whenever I get hired as a um, consultant or freelance technical writer or technical instructor Mm -hmm. to create content and explain a concept. People are trying to get me to help explain these concepts to complete beginners. Mm -hmm. Someone they might be trying to onboard onto their system who have no Mm -hmm. experience with this system. If If it's a coding course, it's for people who have never touched this specific, like, for example, I taught on CSS Grid. Mm -hmm. We're expecting these people, this is the first time they're encountering CSS Grid. Ah. And with my introduction to AWS for non-engineers courses, this is perhaps the first time these people are doing anything IT related Mm -hmm. and definitely the first time they're thinking about AWS and cloud computing. Mm -hmm. So every step of the way, the fact that I have the beginner's mind is really, really useful because the further you get into a subject area and become more proficient at it, like it's so easy to forget that beginner's mind and forget what you didn't get. And that's the, I think that was a lot of the difficulty with a lot of documentations and courses Mm -hmm. that were going around. I think recently a lot of people have been realizing this and that they're starting to create content catered towards beginners. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Especially um, I would a hundred percent agree with that because even just two years ago, when I had started a bootcamp to try to learn coding, the documentation was clearly written by people who kind of forgot what it's like not to have the context as second nature, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of context that it's like, yeah, this would have been helpful to know with the documentation when I first started kind of thing. So I love that you keep that in mind as you're writing this, which is clearly why you're so great at it. And I think it's helpful that like this is not just your own journey, right? This actually encompasses Mm -hmm. a lot of people's journeys when it comes to learning something new or at least feeling like they have the resources to succeed. And I think with all that sort of empathy in mind, I think going the route of being able to write and producing books, for example, is something that fits so well. And I wanted to touch base on a little bit of what you had shared earlier of with all the changes that you've gone through professionally, having that financial security was really important. So from my understanding, you're also interested in personal finance and you Mm -hmm. have an ebook that's geared towards new freelancers who want to just make sense of what it's like to be self-employed. And so we'll make sure to put the link down at the bottom, but it's a freelancefinance101.com. Is that correct? Yep. Awesome. And I know that you're in the process of 
putting another sort of book together. And I wasn't sure if that was something you wanted to share with some of our listeners, because I think in your case, you're not just writing one book and that's it. Like you are continuing <laughs> to, to grow and to share knowledge. And I think, especially this day and age where people might be in a, a similar situation where they can't go to the office, especially with COVID times right now in the pandemic, more and more people are working remote. I feel like having that resource of documentation, something you can read where you can do it async. You don't necessarily have to synchronously meet with someone in a meeting to get this context. It's just it's just that much more important going forward. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv, and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So with the process of sort of writing an introductory book right now, I was curious if you wanted to share a little bit of that with our listeners. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I created awsnewbies.com, which is a website that explains AWS and cloud computing to complete beginners. And through that, I had the opportunity of creating Introduction to AWS for Non-Engineers courses, which is a four-part course with LinkedIn Learning. And it goes through, it starts both, it starts with what even is the cloud, you know, and then goes through cloud computing, a little bit of history, AWS. And the, if you take all four of the courses, in the end, you should be able to sit in for the AWS Certified Cloud Practitioner exam. Wow. And so that has been going fairly well for the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I guess through that and the fact that I became an AWS hero last fall, I got asked to write a similar introductory AWS book with Manning. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on that for the past couple months. And it's similar concept. We're introducing what is cloud computing, what is AWS. And in the process of introducing AWS and the cloud concepts and the different core services and how the billing works, how security works, stuff like that, you can read that book. Hopefully when it's done, you can read that book and you can either choose to or choose not to sit in for the AWS Certified Cloud Practitioner exam. So it's kind of hitting it in all the different learning modes that people have. You can do it as a website. You can now there's video courses. Now mm -hmm. there'll be an actual physical book. So hopefully that'll be out at some point next year. Awesome. That's so exciting. And yeah. again, it's just, I love how you're building on things that you've worked on before, right? Like being an mm -hmm. AWS hero, creating the AWS Newbies website, which now I have the sudden urge. I want to know more about <laughs> AWS, you know? But what, I mean, I just, I love that you are being so cognizant of 
beginners and people who uh, may have different methods of learning? Because I think that's something that, especially as someone who works in tech, it's quick, you start quickly realizing like, hey, everyone doesn't work the same. Everyone doesn't learn the Mm -hmm. same. Everyone doesn't teach the same. And I guess kind of going off of, well, more people are working remote. I feel like more and more people are getting into tech. What a great way to, to welcome new people in that way. And you know, try to break this conditioning of ooh, being an engineer or a developer or being in tech in general, super scary, or mm-hmm. it's only for super, super smart geniuses or something. And mm-hmm. I love that you can sort of break that assumption. And is just with your background in general, do you feel like being a woman in tech, for example, has had some sort of impact for you professionally, whether positive or more constructively? Um, do you feel like that's brought a context or sort of an empathetic factor, if you will, in different ways to what you're doing now? Or do you feel like a lot of your, how would I say? Oh, God, sorry, you guys are gonna have to edit this. Sorry, I like (laughs) super blinked. But yeah, do you feel like as a woman in tech, do you think that's changed either the different opportunities that you've had, or maybe change how you think about going into tech or others going into tech? So one of the really interesting thing about me ending up in tech is that Um, As I said earlier, I had absolutely no intention of ever getting into tech as a career. And it's really interesting that being in tech was never something that I considered, given that I've been self-teaching myself to code since I was 10. Wow. And so I was that person who's at home using (laughs) dial-up, making anime fan sites, right? And blogs since I... I was in middle school and mm-hmm. interacting online with people when everyone said, do not talk to people online, mm-hmm. you know? So <laughs> I was doing that all through middle school, all through high school, and no one ever was like, hey, Hiroko, do you, you can do this as, for a living. You can mm-hmm. go to college and become a programmer and you can be a programmer. This is a career. I like mm-hmm. I didn't even know it was a career. Like I didn't know this was a job that could be had. Mm-hmm. And so when I started college, I was like, okay, time to stop doing this because I don't have time. I have to mm-hmm. become a teacher. So I don't have time uh... to do this anymore. And so I just quit coding. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like if a boy was self-teaching himself to code from middle school and high school and was hardcore, that's all he did mm-hmm. for five, six years. Like I'm pretty sure someone would have been like, hey, bro, you're gonna be a computer science major. And so while I don't regret at all that I have my degrees in special ed, because it's something that I am really passionate about. And I'm really like, and obviously, from the way that my career has progressed, and my personal life has progressed, Mm -hmm. it has been a great asset for me to have this background in teaching. It's kind of interesting how I ended up here despite that, but kind of, there was probably a much easier way to get here. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I think the way that it came about was fine, but it's only it only came out like this because of all the other mitigating circumstances, including my health. Mm-hmm. And without that, I don't know if we would have ended up here and I could have been a special ed teacher right now for my 10th year or something if I hadn't had brain surgery. So yeah, I feel like my 20s and my 30s have been a lot of fluke accidents, calling more fluke <laughs> accidents and being at the right place at the right time with the right attitude of, you know what, why not? Let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of it had to do with the fact that I'm a woman and how much didn't, but 
I think at least the beginning of it, it would have might have been a lot different if I were not a woman. Oh, interesting. Wow. So in general, then, do you have any tips for maybe other women in tech or maybe people who are interested in your line of work? Because I think, especially with sort of this wave of new people transitioning into tech, kind of like you mentioned before, sometimes we don't know these other roles exist, right? And Mm -hmm. I know when I started in tech, I basically thought, okay, you have to be an engineer and that's how you stay in tech. And once I started realizing that coding day to day and working on these projects was just not giving me the fulfillment that I really wanted in life, that's when I started questioning myself. Surely there's other technical roles, right? Like I'm not sure, but you know, I think that's where the community really helped in sort of, hey, I have this sort of background and, you know, I was in your place and I'm happy to share sort of where I am and how I got here kind of thing. And I think it's awesome that there are other technical roles. You don't have to be an engineer. You don't have to be a developer to be in tech. And I think, especially with your own experience and what you're contributing to the community, like that's 100% true, especially as a technical writer and as an instructor. So I imagine there might be quite a few people who are interested in kind of getting into the role that you are now, you know, like you're still technical, but you're not necessarily a developer, but you help sort of glue together all the missing contacts that people usually have within their teams, uh, whether it's working together or even onboarding new people. So do you have any tips or recommendations for people who are interested in this line of work? Yeah, so I definitely had no idea technical writing was a job that actually pays fairly decently. Mm-hmm. And technical instructor, I fell into it by accident. Actually, I fell into everything by accident. But <laughs> And I know one of the related jobs that's really popular right now is developer advocacy mm-hmm. and developer relations. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I hope people will have from this episode is that you don't have to be, quote unquote, 10 times engineer that everyone's been talking about recently. Mm-hmm. You The fact that you're a beginner and have a beginner's mind is just as valuable as being that person who's been doing this for 10 years. And I consider myself to be someone who gets someone from like zero to one Mm -hmm. or zero to 10. You know, I help open the gates so that people can speak the same jargon, Mm -hmm. um, understand the core, core concepts and get to that place where they're like, okay, I want to do this. And then there's a lot of missing parts where people take for granted that you know how to run this line of code or what does even run code mean? Mm-hmm. You know, install this script or install this package. Like, what does that even mean? You know, I get people that information so that they can access the treasure trove of like overflowing amount of content that's out there. But a lot of times without that zero to one, you can't access the rest. So people like me who do the work to get people from zero to one is just as important as people who are teaching about the newest, hottest year and newest, hottest technology, because without us, people can't get started. And if you can't get started, you know, Mm -hmm. what's the point of these really complicated, cool stuff that's going on? So when you are considering becoming a technical writer or technical instructor or developer relations, you don't need to be that person who's been coding for 10 years in this language. Mm -hmm. Sharing what you are learning right now, actively learning what you just learned, writing for writing for yourself yesterday or writing for yourself last week Mm -hmm. is just as valuable. And actually it's really 
valuable even for yourself because it's kind of hard to see how much progress you're making day to day. But when you have this like visible progression of how far you've come in the past couple months, mm-hmm. plus it's useful for people, which is like icing on top. <laughs> it's really motivating and stuff like blogging takes a long time to kind of ramp up and get eyeballs on. Mm. And I've noticed that I would write like technical documentation on my personal blog and no one looks at it. (laughs) Three months later, like Google finally indexes it and I start getting like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people a day coming from Google for that specific article. Mm -hmm. It takes like three months, six months. And so I think it's really easy to be like, oh, no one's looking. What I say isn't important. It's Mm -hmm. been said before. But really, it's like, when was the last time that you Googled something because you didn't get it? And then that first link helped you to fix that problem. It's usually like link five, right? You want to be one of those top few links. Mm -hmm. You're going to give that aha moment to someone somewhere. And that's, that's like, that's what we live for. That's what we technical writers live for is to be that aha moment for like that one person, because now that one person understood something that other people couldn't help them understand. Wow, you are definitely the the aha hero that <laughs> me. So thank you uh, for being in this line of work. Like I know you mentioned that this wasn't necessarily intentional to go into tech, but I think that's why this works, right? Like mm-hmm. there were things, you know, not only that happened in your life, but just with your own ambitions of like, hey, let's do this, like going heads in, trying something new. And I'm glad that it's worked out in the way that it has, and that it seems like it's going to continue being a very prosperous career for you. So thank you for sharing your story on that. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out. And, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. So as we wrap this portion up, we're going to go into picks. So picks will kind of outline things that are cool, things that we're doing now, not necessarily going to be technical, um, but they can be. I'll start with mine with, I have been reading a lot more just because uh, with my current job, I'm working 100% remote. The weather has been getting, has been cooling down. So I've been going outside a lot more often, but uh, reading is just something that makes me really happy now. And when I was younger, I never wanted to read books. But now that I'm a bit, <laughs> quite a bit older, I'm like, oh, you know, learning new things. And I love being able to just hear about different people's stories and kind of reading it from their lens. And But anyways, at the same time, though, I'm really weird about clutter. And so mm-hmm. it makes me nervous having physical books all the time. And especially with just the state of everything and with COVID going on, I do hesitate to go out from time to time. So Libby, uh, which is an app that I use uh, to basically 
electronically check out library books has been a lifesaver for me. And at first, I was super against reading books on a screen because I'm like, what's the point of that? Like the point of the book is the physical feel of the paper and this and that. But then I was like, well, you can't really highlight in library books, you know what I mean? So I've really taken it as an opportunity to sort of calm myself internally whenever I felt really overwhelmed. Reading really helped me calm down, but also just learning so many different things. So I'm definitely the type of reader that likes to highlight, uh, put little tabs and put little notes. Like I remember I specifically went on the Muji website to get their trace sticky notes so that you can still see whatever's behind the sticky note. And I kind of like stationary in that way. So it made me really happy that I was able to apply that to reading. But with Libby, it's just really easy to check out books now and just have everything at your fingertips, which people can argue, is it going to make us lazy? Maybe, but I am taking advantage of the electronic stuff now. So that's my pick. I would definitely recommend anyone else who's interested, Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, and go ahead and download that. (laughs) Yeah, no, Libby's great. That's how, well, so I went a step further and um, I, 99% of what I read is through audiobooks on Libby. Ah. But since I listen to at 2.5 speed, I get through over a hundred books a year. And if that's making us lazy, then I don't care because I just read a hundred more books than you did. You know, so it's it's great. Um, Oh my gosh, that's so smart to listen to it at a higher speed, (laughs) especially because I'm a slow reader. So, I mean, audiobooks in that sense would definitely be helpful. Wow. Yeah, text. It's really funny because I I write, I'm a writer, but Mm. reading is really hard for me because of my (laughs) executive function disorder. Mm. So listening is a lot easier for me. So something that would take me months to read, I can listen to in a course of a few days. Wow. So that Libby app, and especially in New York, there's no space. I'm not going to buy a hundred books. (laughs) So now what I do is I listen to it first from the library. And then Mm -hmm. when I like it enough, I buy it. So my library is like in that way already curated with Mm -hmm. my favorite books, which I think is it's pretty valuable that you have a curated collection of your favorite books. But yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's such a good idea. Now, like literally right after this, I'm just going to go on living and be like audiobooks, audiobooks, yeah. two times yeah. the speed. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's great. It's great. People are like, that's not reading. And I'm like, well, I don't care because I got that information now. And That's true. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. All right. Any other picks you'd like to share with us, Hiroko? So I guess we were talking earlier about how I'm into personal finance. I'm mm-hmm. not in the FIRE movement, but in the FIRE movement and that uh, financial independence is really important to me, mm-hmm. which is why I wrote like Freelance Finance 101 is mm-hmm. because I think if you want to, anyone should start a side hustle or a freelance mm-hmm. business so that you can diversify your income. So one of the books that I recently finally read, and this one I actually read on physical paper because I felt that it was important and I highlighted and put little stickies. <laughs> um, it's called Estate Planning 101. Mm-hmm. And people tend to think estate planning is just for really, really rich people, but it's not. <laughs> it's really difficult for people who are left behind to access your financial information, even if you don't have that much assets. And mm-hmm. given I'm the kind of person who's trying to cause as little problem for other people as possible. It's one of those things where I don't want a huge mess to be left when I'm gone. Mm -hmm. So Estate Planning 101 was written for people who have absolutely zero experience or knowledge, which is me. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to get you that estate plan, but it gives you enough vocabulary, enough concepts and ideas and regulation information that 
when you are trying to build something, you have that vocabulary to start Googling. Mm. And they really, the, the authors are two ladies and they, they're like women and finance people. Mm. You know, they, their, their goal is like me as a technical writer, them as a finance thing. Like uh, they want to make sure women are empowered with their money. Mm-hmm. And so they really want you to make it easier for everyone involved, including yourself. Mm-hmm. And we're not bajillionaires, but it's important to kind of clean up your financial situation so mm-hmm. that if you do have heirs or if you do have people you want to pass money on to, they're getting the maximum amount that they can get. And mm-hmm. you can start building generational wealth. And as a first generation immigrant, that's like we're starting from zero. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of something that really kind of resonated with me that um, if there, if I do have heirs or if my family members, nieces, nephews, whatever, maybe like mm-hmm. we're helping them build up generational wealth. So yeah, that, that would be get your, get your money, money knowledge. And it's important. There you go. Best time is now. So yeah, best time to start is now today. Yeah. That's true. Awesome. Well, Hiroko, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I feel like I've learned so much and I have so much to look forward to. I'm so excited to research a bunch of stuff now. Yeah. Um, So thank you for coming on and talking about your own experiences and sharing those tips with everyone. Thank you to all of our listeners. Um, I guess as a natro, again, I'm Susan Ma. You can find me on Twitter at Suki Supremo. And for Hiroko, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me with my full name, Hiroko Nishimura. Awesome. And I know you guys can't see right now, but there is a very cute cat on camera and I am so cute. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.